Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 91 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign and today we're going to praise God in faith for the assurance of the victory to come. Faith for the fight. Principles of spiritual warfare. When I was praying the night before last, God said, teach a lesson on spiritual warfare and faith to overcome. So tonight we're going to talk about defeating the enemy, temptation, sin, all of those things and what it takes. Step one, you have to understand spiritual authority because here's the issue. When it comes to a fight with the enemy, it's going to be won by faith. To have faith, sometimes it helps to have an understanding of your spiritual authority, how you gain it, where you get it from, what the principle of it is. Um, For those that really want a very in depth understanding of it, you can go to our YouTube channel, you can go to the heartofworshipchurch.com or go to the app and pull up our videos on the YouTube channel and look up the video, uh, Understanding Spiritual Authority. I did a teaching on it and it's a video, so it goes really in depth. We won't be able to go fully in depth on that tonight, but I'll give you an overview. Basically, it comes down to this. God is uncreated. He is above all. He is the creator of all. He is the absolute authority. He is the highest of all authorities. There is nothing that can, comp- that can compare to him. Now, under him, the things that he created, he created in a certain order. You can think of it almost like military ranking. Everything has an order of creation. So in the order of authority, in the way that he created things, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're the top. They're above everything because they're uncreated. But under them, the natural order is angels, then humans, then animals and the earth. However, Satan was an angel. He was a fallen angel. When Satan fell, he went into rebellion, and then he began to influence man. So when you are influenced to sin, when you are influenced to rebel against obedience to God, because that's what Satan did, he was rebellious, he rebelled through his pride, and he influences you to do the same thing, to be disobedient to God. In your natural state, you can't fully resist him because he has a higher spiritual authority. Therefore, his influence over you is absolute. However, God did something to change all of that. He sent Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh, but he became a man. God sent his Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit of God. So in Jesus, you had this embodiment of God, man, and the Holy Spirit all in one. Then Jesus was crucified. When Jesus was crucified, he shed his blood to be an atonement for us, which means that He died in our place so that we might be forgiven. His blood washes us clean. When we come to him with repentance, and there is a process to this, and if you miss any step of the process, you don't have the authority. But if you do it in accordance with the word, you will be granted great authority. First, there is repentance. You come to him and you confess your sins. You confess your faults to him. You acknowledge, and that's just a humbling. That's acknowledging that you are God and I am not. You know, there's a scripture that says that those that come to God must recognize that he is God, and that's part of confession because we're humbling ourselves before him and saying, God, I confess that this was a sin and it was wrong. I lay it before you. Forgive me of it. I repent of it. Repentance is choosing to not do it anymore, to turn away from it. You're turning your back on the devil and what he was telling you to do, and you're pursuing what God has told you to do. Once you make that decision, God then sends his Holy Spirit and the power of his Holy Spirit, which is grace, to give you the power and the authority to say, get ye behind me, Satan. Why? Because once you have his spirit, you are then a child of God. There's a verse that says, those who are led by my spirit are the sons and daughters of God. So if you have his spirit, if you've done these other steps, you receive his spirit. Unless you've done these other steps, you cannot receive his spirit. There are other spirits that might tell you that they are his spirit, but they are not. Unless you have forsaken sin, 
repented and turned it away, then you can be washed, you can receive his spirit, and you are led of his spirit, then you become a son and daughter of God. Once you are a child of God, you are then in the family of God. And what does that mean? It means you are no longer down here in the order of creation underneath angels. Remember, Satan was an angel. He's above you. When you become a child of God, you get taken into the family of God, which puts you above, which means you are now the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. These are all passages, and this is what it means. You have been elevated to have spiritual authority over him because now in rank, you outrank him, and he is under you. That's why it says Satan is under my feet. Now he is underneath us, and we are above. And at that point, you have all authority. He is a subordinate. So once you get that in your spirit, you can recognize that when you confess your sins to God, when you repent of them, and when you believe in him, receive the washing of his blood and the infilling of his Holy Spirit, you have authority. And tonight we're going to go through building faith in that authority so you can have faith for the fight. Because the Bible says you can say, get ye behind me, Satan, and he's got to obey. It says there is no temptation that, that comes against you that God does not provide a way out. And he has given us authority to overcome every sin, every trial, every temptation. But you've got to walk it out, and it takes faith. Right. Sometimes that faith comes in a form of obedience. Because if, we, if he says you have to do this, this, and this, then if you don't do it, it's a lack of faith. So faith encompasses obedience. All right. So basically to have authority, you've got to become a son and daughter of the king. If you are a child of the king, you have authority. So step one, understand your authority. Step two, get your authority. Become a child of God. Step three, use your authority. Because authority equals power to overcome. And once you understand the authority that you walk in, there is no lie the devil's going to tell you, you know I can overcome. Nothing is too hard. You know, we laughed because I started a fire last night and it started raining. And I'm like, no, you can't rain. This fire's got to burn. The sky stops and clears up. We have authority. But we're going to get to that later. There are requirements. Because the Bible says Elijah was a man just like us, no different, yet he prayed earnestly and it didn't rain for the space of three years and he prayed again and it did. But it says he was a righteous man. And he prayed fervently. It says he was no different than any of us. That means that you have the same authority and the same power to do it if you meet the same conditions, if you are righteous. And righteous means to be in right standing with God. In other words, that means you're doing what he says is right. Not what you think is right. Not what you want to feel is right, what he says is right. It comes down to obedience because obedience is faith. If you truly believe that he is who he is, you're going to do what he says. And if you do what he says, then you are in right standing and his power, his authority will be granted because he knows he can trust you with it. If you're not willing to obey, he can't trust you with that authority because you'll misuse it and that misrepresents him. The devil beats down on people and some people are not walking in obedience to God and they're not walking in righteousness. They're not doing what God says is right. They do what they think is right. And so they have no authority. They have no power. So they want to tell you that you don't have it either. They will convince you that it's impossible. You can't overcome the sin, that you're just going to be this way. Just because they're weak doesn't mean that you have to be weak. It's just because they're not obeying doesn't mean you have to not obey. Just because they've chosen to relinquish their authority doesn't mean that you have to. The Bible says in Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when somebody says, well, you can't do that, ah, that's not what the Bible says. I don't know what God you're serving, but the God of the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing is impossible for my God. might be impossible for your God, but it's not impossible for my God because my God is the God of the Bible. He is the God of impossibilities. Stir up the faith that is within you. Go to Romans 8, 37. When they go, like, they'll go into these programs, and the first thing they do every time they walk in the doors is, I am an alcoholic. I will always, you know what that is? That's a profession of faith. If that's your profession of faith, then that's what you're going to believe. That's what you're going to live. My profession of faith is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
right, get ye behind me, Satan. You're under my feet. You're defeated. You're the foe. You're the tail, and I'm the head. You have no authority over me because I am a child of God, and you're just a fallen angel. You're a defeated foe. You have already been judged. Done. Not arguing with you. Not listening to you. Done. Stand in faith. What you got, Lydia? Um, the devil is not the boss of us. That's yes. right. There you go. There you go. Yep, God is the boss of us. That's right. And you, sometimes we got to tell him that. Devil, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> when the devil tells you something, just ignore him and listen to God. There you go. Amen. You preach it, little girl. She got next Wednesday. Yep. All right, pull up Romans 8, 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And if you read before it, he was giving a list of things, but we're not going to cover it for the time's sake. But he says, no, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Not only we are conquerors, we are more than conquerors. If you are a conqueror, that means you can overcome the enemy. You can overcome the lust. You can overcome the lie. You can overcome the devil. You can overcome the temptation. You can overcome because you are not just a conqueror. You are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor fallen angels nor principalities nor powers which are demonic forces nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Nothing is stronger than the power of the Holy Spirit. God will always love us, and therefore, he will back you up when you're in right standing with him. We can choose to walk out of his grace. We can choose to walk out of right standing. We can choose sin. We can choose to follow the devil. We can choose these things, in which case, He's not going to help us because he's not going to help us follow the enemy. But as long as we are pursuing him and in right standing with him and trusting in him, he will give the power. And I love the analogy. I've given this so many times. But for me personally, it was such a revelation in the way that faith and grace works. It's like fasting. And I believe everybody should go through a season of fasting, if nothing else, to learn this point. God had me on a fast. And, and I can't diet for a day. Because if I want something, then I'm going to go get it. But when God says fast, he will back it up with the power of his grace. But before that happens, I have to choose to turn away from the food. I can't continue to eat and say he's going to give me grace to fast. At some point, I have to stop eating. I have to turn away from the food, which repent means turn away. So I have to repent of the food. I turn away from it. I choose not to eat it. And then he gives me the grace, the power, and the strength. I've gone 40-day fast several times, we all have, with no food at all. And you have all the strength, all the energy, everything that you need. You know, you're out working in the yard and nobody knows you're fasting. You feel great because he has sent his grace, his power, to walk in that obedience. But it would not happen until you first release the faith, which comes when you repent and turn away from the food. Once you choose not to eat it, then his power comes to get you through it. And it's the same with any sin or temptation. You have to choose to be obedient, to push it aside, to walk away from it, and then his power will come to help you to walk that thing out in strength. And to turn away from that food, like you said, when you turn away, that's when you really trust it on God. Right. Because you're like, okay, I can, I can turn away from it, but I need him to, to pull me through. And so you've got to trust him. Yeah. And, and that's where your faith does get built up, because like you said, you go to fast, and like, I'm like, I can eat. But when I'm on a fast with God, it's like, I feel so it's good. It's easy, yeah. It's like, man, this is easy. But, but you got to stay plugged in. You can't, right. you know, I mean. And you got to stay in that prayer closet. And it's the same thing with anything else because, you know, the Bible says as soon as you think you can't fall, that's when you will. And I always said it's because when you think you can't fall, you stop plugging into God to seek his strength for it. Once we seek him and ask him and come to him daily, he gives you that strength. He gives you that grace. But we have to trust him enough to turn away from the things he's saying to lay down and walk it out. And then he will give you that strength, that grace. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? 
Does that sound like, well, you can't do it. Everybody does it. It's just the way you are. You're just human. That's not what my Bible says. I am more than human. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. I was human. I was like that when I was trying in my own flesh. That's what I was. And if you still believe that, it's because you've tried within your own flesh. Try it God's way because my Bible says that if God is for us, who can be against us? Like in Psalms, if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? Amen. Amen. That's right. Not even the devil. Because he's just a created being himself. That's right. And, and if, if the devil is saying, don't do that. That's right. Don't. Just don't. That's right. Just don't. <laughs> and when you hear God say yeah. something, just listen to him. Don't listen to the devil that's out there. If he's saying something bad, don't not listen. If he's saying something good, this. Don't listen because he's dumb. He's gonna trick you. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's right. We have to determine to be humble before God, but to be bold before the enemy. Because that's what soldiers do, right? A soldier has to be humble before his officers, but bold in the face of the enemy. Go to 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. The Bible says that we are to be soldiers of Christ, which means that we have to determine, though we are to be, bold, to be humble before God, we humble ourselves before him. We have to determine to be bold in the face of the enemy. And when the enemy rises up against you, to stand with authority and boldness. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. In other words, don't get so wrapped up in the things of this world. Because you have to be more focused on being obedient to your general. You have to be obedient to God. And to do that, sometimes you have to just forsake the things of the world. But have the mindset that you are going to be a good soldier for Christ. Because he has a mission for you. And until we're able to humble ourselves before him and be determined to stand boldly against the enemy, we're never going to be able to walk that mission out. Just like whenever in, in the military, as a soldier, you're going out with the battle. You've know, you got to be strong, you got to be firm. And you got, but you also know that the general in the back has got you because when it's like overwhelming with enemies, you call in coordinates and then they send the airstrike and it knocks them out and you go a little further and then you call back to your guy, which is God, you know, yeah. with your guy. And he, he knocks them out and you go a little further. Right. The military is just like a walk with and, and that really goes back to that importance of making sure you spend that time in prayer because that prayer time is just like when you're calling out to that general saying, hey, I need an airstrike. Hey, I need, you're not, you're going to fail if you're not connecting with God to say, hey, Lord, you know, help me out here. This is what I need. I'm feeling weak here. I need your strength. What do you want me to do with this situation? I mean, sometimes you have to check back and ask your community, your commanders, what do I, where do I need to go? Because they have the satellite. They have the bird's eye view. They see the big plan. You have to check with them to see what do I need to do next. And we have to do that with God. This is a war. We are in warfare. The enemy is a serious and real foe. There is a war in heaven. All of these things are real. We may not fully see it on the surface, but once you start to recognize that it's there, you can't not see it. It is in your face every day. And the more you recognize it, the less it tries to hide from you. So the more you're going to see it anyway. We have to recognize that it's real and start treating it like it's real and walk it out. So this is how we fight our battles. <laughs> Principles for warfare. This is how we fight our battles. Go to Matthew 17, 18. The first tool, the first weapon in your armory is going to be prayer. We just covered that. But accompanied with prayer will be fasting. Prayer and fasting. For anybody that wants to go deeper into a study on prayer, there is in the podcast section of our website and our app, there is a series that we did a while back 
called Fortifying Your War Room, Building a Better Prayer Life. I think it was four sessions we did, and it goes very in-depth into building a better prayer life because there's so much involved. There's so many different things that you can do in prayer. You know, it's like a quiver on your back, and there's a lot of different arrows in it. David, he said, Lord, teach my hands to war. Teach my fingers to fight. We have to ask him that in the spiritual. Lord, teach my hands to war in spiritual warfare because there are weapons and there are tools that he can bring to your understanding that really are effective in the spirit. But we can't go too deep into that. So if you want to, you can look that up. But definitely prayer and also fasting. We read in Matthew 17, 18, and Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. <clears throat> this was a case when the devil had possessed a man's child, a man's son. The disciples tried to rebuke the devil and they couldn't. So Jesus came, rebuked him, and the devil was cast out. So Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast the devil out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as of the grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Now, the disciples at this point were in right standing with God, so that does apply. We can't be living in sin and go tell the devil to get out of our house, he's going to laugh at us because we've made our house his house by welcoming him in with the sin. But when you are in right standing, you can go tell him to get out of somebody else's house because you have authority. So he told him, if you have the faith, you can cast it into the sea. Now keep going. You can tell it to be removed and it shall be cast out. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. So when somebody says you can't, you can't, you will always be, this is God's word saying nothing will be impossible unto you. That's Jesus' words. Is Jesus a liar? Then it has to be true. How be it? However, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Because he said that if you have faith, right, which means if you believe, and faith is not believing what you want to believe, because that's faith in your own faith. Faith is believing what God says. So God is saying that this kind requires prayer and fasting. Sometimes when you come to situations in your life or battles that you're fighting against or people that you're praying for and you can't seem to get that mountain out of your way, sometimes you got to fast and pray. Why? Because Jesus said we do. And if you really have faith, you're going to do what he said to do, even if you don't know the reasons why. Now, there are a lot of legitimate reasons that we could go into depth on. We have in other studies. We don't have time tonight. But it suffices to say that he said it. So if we have faith, then we'll do what he said to do. So many times where I knew God said fast for so many days, and then I didn't have any idea why. But in faith and obedience and pray and war and pray and fast, at the end of it, I realized that something happened, like you said, and we figured out what it was. You know, even in the book of Daniel, it says that Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days. When the angel got to him at the end of those 21 days, he told Daniel, he said, as soon as you prayed and asked God the question, he dispatched me with the answer. But the prince of Persia, a principality, we read earlier that we fight against these principalities, which is a demonic spirit. It's a fallen angel. The who was a ruler over the region of Persia because you can give uh, demonic spirits access over areas, over your home, over your country, over your school. These things are gaining access. He said, but the prince of Persia withstood me. In other words, he was fighting with a demonic force for 21 days while Daniel was fasting, which you know what that implies? It implies that somehow Daniel's fast was aiding the angel in the fight. Because if it was fasting for 21 days and he was held up for 21 days, then his prayer and fasting somehow was aiding in that battle. We may not fully understand it all, but God calls us soldiers. There's a reason. It's because we're participating in the fight. We may not know how, but if we're obedient to have faith to do what he says, we are making an effect in the spirit. Now, there's something else that was important in that passage that we just read when he said that 
Sometimes it takes prayer and fasting, but he also gave another word in there. He said, if you will speak to the mountain and say, sometimes, if not all times, you have to speak. Go to Ephesians 6, verse 10, because this is important. I'm going to get to you in a second. The reason we have to speak is because I'm going to show you in Ephesians 6, we're going to go through the full armor of God, and it's got all of these things, these elements that you have to have. But if you have all of these elements, then God will give you a sword. And the sword, it says, is the word of God. But it's not the written word. It's the rhema word, which is the spoken word of God, which is his word coming out of your mouth. And those words have power. So when you speak to the mountain, it's not you speaking. It's the Holy Spirit speaking and the power of God is being manifested because grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what casts that thing out. But you have to spend time in prayer to get that word in you so that it can come out of you. You can't pour out what's never been poured in. And you can, you can sit here and read, get thee behind me, Satan, all day long. But until you say, get thee behind me, and you speak to something, mm-hmm. then it's going to happen. That's right. That's right. You have to, because speaking is a manifestation of your faith. If you believe something, but you never speak it, nothing's going to happen. Even when, when James said, if there be any sick among you, bring them up, anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall bring healing. You still have to take those actions. There's anointing, which is an action of faith, because he told you to do it. And the prayer of faith, you're still speaking that thing. The power is in the rhema word, and he's putting that rhema in your mouth, out of your spirit. That's the sword. That is the attack. That comes against the enemy. The proclamation, the prophetic word. He says that he does nothing unless he reveals it to his servants, the prophets first. Until that word is spoken, the action does not follow. Because God is a creator, but he creates through the spoken word. Everything that he speaks then is. If you're not willing to let him speak it through you, then you're never going to see it happen. You have to be willing to speak it out. That's part of the power of confession, to be honest. Even if you're just confessing to God, you're still speaking that thing out. And the power of speaking is that not only is there power coming out in the word, the Bible says there's power of life and death in the tongue, but it's also building your faith. It's, it's like faith coming out and faith coming in at the same time because you're hearing it. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So when you speak it out loud, the faith is coming out and it's coming back in. It's stirring and it's amplifying. They like in electricity. They what is that? It's like a conductor or whatever that yeah. it like builds every time. It, it it amplifies and that stirs up that faith. All right, Ephesians six ten. I'm gonna read through this really quick. It says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord." Does that sound like the people that are like, "Oh, it's just I'm just human. It's just gonna be like no." Be strong in the Lord. Yes, Stand in authority and in the power of yes. His might. All right. When people are telling you, oh, you're just, it's just human nature. You're just, that's just how it's going to be. You can't overcome it. Listen what they're saying. You can't overcome. It's about you. Hey, that doesn't matter because we are standing strong in who? The Lord and the power of his might. So to say, well, I'm always going to be like this is saying God's not strong enough. He can't do it. Ooh, that's blasphemy. In yourself, you're right. You can't do it, but he can. He can. He can. And that's what the devil wants you to think. Oh, it's impossible because that is a lack of faith because nothing is impossible for my God. So I stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might, remembering that nothing is too hard for him. Keep going. We're going to run through this quick. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So it is possible to stand against the wiles of the devil if you do this. You put on the whole armor. What is the armor? The wiles is the attacks, his tactics, his temptations, his lies. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Again, that's that word, principalities, which is fallen angels, demonic spirits. And against powers, and against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So are demons real? Yes. Are evil spirits real? Yes. Is everything that you're told to do that is in opposition or rebellion to God coming from them? Yes. yes. 
Therefore, this is telling you how to overcome those things so that you can walk in strength and in the power of his might and in obedience and in overcoming victory and power. Yes, we can overcome. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. It says that they overcome in Revelations. It says they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their own lives unto the death. So humbleness, obedience, faith. I've always said this. The devil is not omnipotent. God is omnipotent and omnipresent. It means he's all-powerful and he can be everywhere at once. The devil is not. He won't waste his time. If he finds a tactic that works on you, if he can get you into sin, he's going to keep using it. But once you determine, devil, it's not going to work anymore, he'll stop doing it because he's not going to keep wasting his time. He has limited resources. Not only do you get to overcome the devil, but you get to laugh at the fact that you made him waste his time and his resources. You know, there's been a lot of times when I knew the devil was trying to do something and I just stood firm on it not going to let it happen, and I was kind of tickled by it because it's like, you know what? I made the devil waste his time. There's nothing he, made, he hates more. He might make me mad some days, but today I made him mad. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you are walking, that's right, not today. I'm telling you, you have authority. If you are walking in right standing with God, you have authority. I've had situations where somebody that I knew was full of the devil was coming in the house to visit somebody else that was there into my house. And without saying a word out loud in my spirit, I said, in the name of Jesus, you can't come in. He walked right to the door and did this and turned around and went back outside and, and smoked a cigarette. And the other person that was there that he was coming to see was like, what's wrong with him? He goes outside. He's what's wrong? And he was like, I, I think I'm just going to smoke. And so he stayed outside. And a little while later, he comes to come back in. He got to the door. He's like, you know what, I think I'm going to go. He didn't know what was going on, and I never said anything. I just walked out the room. But you take authority. And one, one time we had some troublemakers in the church, and the musician came and prayed and anointed everything, and we put a lot, a lot, a lot in the parking lot. Yeah. And these people was coming that Sunday, and I dad told me to come. In oil. And I watched them that Sunday. They came and they drove to that line and stopped. They backed up. They come back, drove to that line and stopped. Backed up. Came back, drove to that line and stopped. Yes. Backed up and went back home. Is anything too hard? Through the kitchen window. Look, God really built my faith and spiritual authority years ago. I've told some of y'all this before. I used to be a mail carrier, and I delivered in this ghetto. It was a really, really bad area. And there was this one guy. He was so bad off. He was, like, on drugs. He was real possessed. He's one of those people that, you know, you always see in the street and you know. But, but there was, like, really bad perversion spirits and everything. And I was always praying for the kids in the area because, like, there was bad stuff. You just knew it. And every day I'd come and in my truck. And the way this little, it was set up, it was a bunch of blocks. And so he would come walking, and you could, the demons in him would just glare, and they were looking at me, they were mean, they were mad. And so I would come, and I'd start delivering, and I'd say, in the name of Jesus, you can't come past the third stop sign. And boy, he'd start walking, and I'd just be delivering. He'd get to the third stop sign, he'd stop, and then he'd start pacing like, like a wild animal in a cage. He'd start pacing. <laughs> so I'd watch him for a little while, and after a little while, I'd say, okay, go left. And then when I did, he'd go left. I'm telling you, I drove this man around that suburb for two years. <laughs> this happened every, when I'd get to him and go, he, like, he never heard me because I was from a distance, but that, God used that as a training in faith, in spiritual authority, because he was so controlled by demons that he did whatever because he had no choice because the authority said you have to and I'm telling you every single day this happened every day until finally eventually one day he got arrested for something and went away so I did pray for the man but I never let him come close enough because I felt like he was dangerous and I, I was so worried for the kid and maybe that's why God had me there to pray for the kids in that neighborhood because I didn't trust him at all yeah. and that's what tonight is I felt like God wanted us to have faith for the fight and he wanted to stir up those things because we've all walked in that spiritual authority and seen those miracles and sometimes like you said we kind of forget and then the devil starts to kind of kick you while you're down and then once he sees that you've forgotten who you are he'll just stay there and beat you until you remember who you are and you stand up and you kick his butt and say get out of my way I'm moving forward.
So go ahead, let's go ahead and finish the uh, Ephesians. Therefore, because he just said about how we fight against principalities and powers. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Don't lose the territory. When God gives you territory, you fight a fight and you take the territory, you have to stand your ground or you will lose the territory. Stand, therefore, having your loins guarded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. So these are the things you have to have to walk in spiritual authority. Truth. The belt of truth means you have to always walk in truth, but truth is also the Holy Spirit. So you need to have the power of the Holy Spirit and you need to have a breastplate of righteousness, which means you choose to walk in right standing with God. The breastplate covers the heart. So have a heart that desires to obey God. The belt holds everything together. That truth, that Holy Spirit is important. It holds up your shield. It holds up your sword. It holds everything in place so that nothing can get underneath. But the breastplate protects your heart. It is righteousness. When you are Loving God, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you keep his commandments, you will be in right standing and you will walk in righteousness. Have your feet shooed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Preach the gospel. Seek to be peaceable. Live peaceably with all men. Preach the gospel in love. Be willing to be a witness and give your testimony. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Have faith. And that's what tonight is about, having faith for the fight. Build up your faith. Because if you have faith in God and who he is and what he says, then it doesn't matter what the enemy does or says or throws to you. You put that shield up and it bounces right off. It doesn't stick in you. It doesn't pierce your heart. You don't get stabbed in the back. Everything bounces off because you say, no matter what, I trust God. He has a purpose. He has a plan. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to get me to where you want me to be. And take the helmet of salvation, which means that you have to be saved in order to be able to have this protection and stand in this authority. The salvation is over the head. The head is the most vital part. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that is the spoken word of God, what's coming out of the mouth of God right now in the present, what he's speaking through you and to you. That is your sword. The faith is defensive. It keeps you in the fight. But the attack is the sword. That is the word. That means that when you are in prayer and warfare, what the Holy Spirit is speaking through you is doing damage to the enemy. The prophetic, the proclamation, the praise, the speak to the mountain, those are the things that are actually taking action in the spirit because God's words will not return void. They will accomplish what they have set forth to accomplish. So it is very important that you're really your only form of attack in this fight is going to come out of your mouth. It is the word, the rhema word. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit because that is how the sword is used. Praying always in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's intercession, praying for others. Praying in the spirit encompasses both praying in tongues but also praying being led of the spirit. Letting the words of God come out of your mouth. Proclamation, prophecy, um, word of knowledge, tongues, all of it is encompassed. And letting the Holy Spirit pray through you, basically. And for me, that utterance might be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel. Go one more. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as though I ought to speak. He's talking about being an ambassador for Christ and speaking with boldness. Why? Because an ambassador has authority. An ambassador speaks with the authority of the kingdom that backs them up. It's all about authority. All right. The next principle is faith. We've covered it all the way through because it's so important. But authority requires faith. Faith is confidence, and confidence is authority. I've used the example before, you know, Heather worked in a prison. Heather could be blown away in a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> so if she walks into the prison, 
she's in a dorm of 100 girls, and she walks in, and she's like, um, would you um, please just sit down? It's time for bed. Do you think they're going to sit down and go to bed? No. They know that they are going to test that authority. And let me tell you something. The devil is going to test your authority even if you haven't. She actually has the authority to tell them to do that. But if she doesn't have the confidence or the faith in that authority, then they're not going to listen. And the devil's the same way. He will test you. He will bully you. He will run you over if you let him. Sometimes you got to stomp your foot, you got to get in his face, and you got to make him listen. Now, here's the important thing. Authority is not faith in your own power or ability. Authority is faith in the line of command that backs you up. Because if Heather says, y'all go to bed right now, and they don't listen, and she goes out and gets the SWAT team, and she comes back in with a SWAT team standing behind her, and she says, I said go to bed, then they're going to listen. And just like that, when we use authority, sometimes the devil doesn't listen the first time. You go to prayer, you call God, you come back with the power of the kingdom standing behind you, and you tell the devil again, he's going to listen. Because the authority is faith in the power that is backing up the words that are coming out of your mouth. Have faith and have confidence. Because if the devil knows you don't really believe what you're saying, he ain't scared of it. Believe it. Go to James 5.13. All right, James 5, 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall, make, shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. This is about if there are sins, speak that out, confess that, repent of it, turn away from it and have faith that you can be healed. And the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Elisha was a man subject unto like passions as we. In other words, Elijah was a person just like us, and he was tempted by all the same things that we are tempted. He wasn't anybody special or supernatural, but he was righteous and he was faithful. It says, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So here he's saying, if there's a problem, have faith. Confess it, repent, come before God, pray fervently, believe, be righteous in right standing with God, and you can do everything that the people in the Bible did. There is no respecter of persons with God. We've seen that. How many times have we prayed in faith and seen God shut up the heavens and stop the rain? Every time we plan something, the devil's like, rain. We're like, pray. God's like, nope, clear skies. How many times? It's kind of funny because I was joking about how last night, you know, we had like 100% chance rain for like two days. And I started a fire and it got dark and started to rain. And I'm like, no, no, you can't rain. I got to burn this. And the sky stops, clears, bright. I went to bed thinking, you know, it's going to rain sometime during the night because we planted a bunch of stuff. We needed it to rain. I just didn't want it to put out my fire. I got up this morning and go outside fully expecting, you know, it to be muddy and it hadn't rained all night. And I'm like, oh. You can rain now because the plants need water. It's okay. It's like, you know, you have that faith that if you truly believe and you're walking out righteously and in obedience, nothing is impossible. You do have authority. Elijah wasn't anybody any different than us. If you meet the same conditions, God will use you in the same manner according to his will and glory. Not for your own glory. Because if the conditions are selfish, if you want it for your own glory, then you won't get it. But for his glory and his purposes, he will do it. He is no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith and obedience. And that is the key. You must be righteous or in right standing to have authority. It's as simple as this. If you ever even come to a place, because sometimes we'll walk in that strong authority and then, like Miss Edith said, you'll come to a place in a season in your life where you're not walking in it anymore, and you kind of feel like you've been beaten down by the devil, and you don't know what, where you are. You don't know how to get back to that place. It's very simple. The same way you got to it in the first place. Confess, repent, submit, trust, receive, use. Confess anything that you know that you've done. 
any pride you've walked in, any error, any sin, uh, because humility is required for this, so pride is a big issue too. That will cause God to not give you authority because he won't let you use authority if you're proud, right, selfishly, because it misrepresents his character. Because when God gives you his authority, you're representing him as an ambassador of Christ. And if you misuse that authority, he'll strip it from you because he doesn't want to be misrepresented. So come to him, confess, repent, submit, trust in him, receive it again, and use it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken, taken you but such as is common to man. In other words, everybody is tempted by the same things. And actually, if you read this in previous verses, he's giving examples of people that some people fail and sinned and some people didn't, but yet they all face the same temptations. Your temptation is no different than anybody else's, but some sin and some don't. Why? Because some have the faith to know that they can stand in authority against it and overcome it, and by faith they do, and some don't. So what he's saying here, there is no temptation that is not common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, there is no sin or temptation that he has not provided a way out of. That's why some overcome and some don't, because some choose to believe and seek and submit and obey and receive the way out, and some choose to stay in it. It's totally our choice. You can come out of any temptation, out of any sin. You can be delivered of anything. Everybody in this church has a huge story of what they've come out of because they chose to believe that God was able. So God made it happen. Danny was delivered from drugs. Wayne was delivered from depression and suicide. Brother Chris came out of a wheelchair. God has delivered. Daddy came out of a deathbed. He has moved mountains in every one of our lives because we choose to believe that he could and he would, so he did. That's right. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. So he's saying right here, there is no temptation that is special. I have made a way out of every, I have given authority, I have given power, I have given my blood and my life so that you can overcome. I'm speaking as to wise men. See if you can understand and believe what I'm saying. All right, when you stir up faith, you stir up the Holy Spirit, which is the source of the power and authority or grace that is within you. Stir up your faith, you'll stir up the Holy Spirit, and you'll stir up the authority. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The Holy Spirit. Stir it up, which is in thee by the putting on of hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. The Holy Spirit is what? A spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So God has given you a spirit of power, of love, of sound mind, of authority, walk in it. He's not giving you a spirit of weakness and of fear. The Holy Spirit is within us. That is power. We should have faith in God and in the power of his might. Romans 8, 11 says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body and by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh for if we live after the flesh we shall die in other words if the same spirit the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead had enough power to bring a dead body back to life is living and residing in you then surely it has enough power to overcome the sin that is within you and that old flesh nature and give you the authority to overcome it it overcame death, hell, and the grave. What is your sin in comparison to that? What is that temptation? What is the power? That's, to believe it can't be done is literally saying, I have more faith in the devil and his power than in God's. That's, right. That's what it's saying. Right. All right. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die or perish and be sent to, to hell. But if we shall through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, in other words, through the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you, tell the lust of the flesh, that you are done. I'm not listening to you anymore. Like we said, turn away from that food in the fasting scenario. You shall live. For as many as are led of my spirit, 
the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Therefore, if you're not led of his Holy Spirit, then you're not his child, which means you do not go to heaven. Only the children of God inherit the kingdom. He said, not a servant, but a son inherits that which is the father's. So we have to be serious in these things that if we're choosing to not follow the leading of his spirit, we are choosing hell. No matter what the world tries to tell us, he's not sending us to hell. We are choosing it. That's right. Actually, the Bible says that hell burns seven times hotter for those who knew what to do but didn't do it. Because it's worse than just being in error. It's intentionally and willfully being in error. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Again, this is going back to having that faith in the authority and the power that gives us the strength to overcome when we remember that we are adopted children of the king. The spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, which means Daddy God. Father, Father, Daddy, Daddy. It's, Abba in the Hebrew was like their word for Daddy. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. This is so important to remember for spiritual authority and warfare, to build your faith. To remember that if you are a child of God, then you are an heir of God. And a underline this joint heir with Christ. What does that mean? That means that everything that Christ inherits we inherit. Every authority that Christ gets, we get. Every power that he has, we have if we are truly a joint heir with him, a child of God. If so be that we suffer with him, so sometimes you will suffer, Christ even suffered, that we may also be glorified together with him. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Sometimes you're going to have to do stuff you don't want to do. Sometimes you're going to have to go through stuff you don't want to have to go through. Remember that Jesus went through it too. And just like he went through it, you will be glorified the same way he was glorified. Because when he was obedient, the Bible says, to submit himself even unto death, even unto the shame of the cross, then God exalted him. Because that was a humbling. God then exalted him and gave him a name above every other name. There's sometimes we're just going to have to humble ourselves and go through some stuff. But God, if we're willing to, will always reward abundantly. The next principle for spiritual warfare is what y'all were doing before the lesson even started. It is praise. Praise is warfare. Praise is powerful because praise is faith expressed. Again, speaking to that mountain. It is the manifestation of, of faith spoken. We're not going to read it, but in 2 Chronicles 20, you can read it if you want. There's a whole story about when the children of Moab were coming against the Israelites and there were two other countries that were all surrounding them. They're stuck there. They were in an ambush. They were being surrounded by enemies. They didn't know what else to do. And God says, send out the singers. He says, go and anoint singers. They're like praying to God, send us an army. Give us weapons. What do we do? And God's like, anoint singers and praise. And they're like, what? But they were obedient in faith. They anointed singers, and instead of sending out people with swords and bows and arrows, they sent out worshipers. They went and they worshiped. They praised. They manifested. They spoke forth that faith. And praising God is a declaration of faith because you're not only declaring who he is and his majesty, which is also at the same time diminishing the devil because when you proclaim what God is, you're also proclaiming what the devil is not, which he doesn't like. But it also is a profession of your recognition that the, the, the battle is his. The battle is the Lord's. And he is more than able. Praise him in faith. Praise him for the victory even before you see it. They went out and praised. And what happened? The enemy fled. It brought confusion to the enemy's camp. They ended up attacking each other. They wiped each other out. They didn't even have to fight. It reminds me of that verse in um, Exodus 14, 14, where God says, Hold your peace and I will fight for you. God fought for them. All they did was praise. You got to love that. Praise. Praise is a warfare. It brings confusion to the enemy's camp because it makes the devil run away. It makes him run away. All right. The next principle is to submit and obey God. Um, we, you can read in the story about Balaam and Balak that there was a bad guy. There was a king. He hired this 
false prophet to speak a curse on the children of Israel, but because they were submissive and obedient to the commandments of the Lord, every time he tried to curse them, it actually blessed them. So if you are obedient and submitted to the voice of the Lord, even when people attack you, even when the enemy comes against you, God will turn it for your good and he will cause it to bring a blessing on you instead. However, once they chose to sin and were no longer in right standing with God, then the curses did come. The enemy was able to attack. So if, if you are walking in sin and rebellion, it opens you up to the attacks of the enemy because it takes you out of the protection of God. But if you are in right standing and in obedience, the devil can't even get to you because the things that he means to harm you will always be turned around for your good. That's why it says in Romans 8.28 that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Because even when bad things come, God will turn it around. He will use even the attacks of your enemy to position you for greatness and for glory. He did that with Moses. The enemy pursued and it pushed them through the Red Sea, but it was really pushing them into a bigger territory and giving them a place in history because it caused them to have to rely on God to open up the sea. Even the things that were meant to harm them were for their good. We see in the story of Joseph in the coat of many colors where he was sold into slavery, he was lied on, he was imprisoned, but all of these things were actually working together for the good to make him a ruler over Egypt in that season. So God will use the things that the enemy means to harm you to bless you and to position you for greatness as long as you stay humble, submissive to God, loving, and in the right standing with God. James 4, 6, you don't have to go there, I'll just read it. It says, but he giveth more grace, grace is power, favor, and uh, divine influence, so he gives you more authority, more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourself, therefore... To God, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. This is very important. Look at this. It says, first, be humble because he will give you more grace. Then it says, submit yourself unto the Lord. And then it says, you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. You can't resist the devil and you can't expect him to flee from you if you are not submitted to the Lord and if you are not humble. If you, are, you have to do it in order. Be humble, be submitted to the Lord, Resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. This is the order. Have faith for the fight. If you are a child of God, then the battle is the Lord's, and he cannot lose. We're almost done. I'm going to hit a couple of these really fast. You don't even have to turn to them. But I want you to have faith in who God is. If you need have faith, you need to remind yourself of who God is. And I tell you, it's important to do these things out loud sometimes because you know, don't need to just think it, you need to hear it. Once you speak it, you believe it. Hebrews 11:6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you are truly seeking him, he will answer believe it. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? When the devil says it's impossible, it can't be done. When people say that's just the way it is, get used to it. You say, nope, my God is a God of impossibilities. Is anything too hard for him? God said, is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for God? No. Kids, is anything too hard for God? No. That's what he I. Got, he got all different kind of powers. That's right. That's right. Of course not. Romans four twenty says, "He staggered not." This was Abraham that he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, no matter how impossible, because what he promised him was impossible, but he believed it. Psalms 68, 1 says, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. And Isaiah 40, 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching 
his understanding. Remind yourself of who God is and faith will arise. Amen. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Remind yourself of who God is. Have faith in who God is. Have faith in who Christ is. Remember that Christ was raised from the dead. He is our mediator. He is our risen Lord. He overcame the powers of hell. In 1 Peter 3.21, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And we're not going to read it, but in Matthew 28, 18, he told the disciples, all power, authority, dominion, and might has been given unto me, and now I give it unto you. Go out and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Stir up faith by remembering who Christ is. And finally, stir up faith by remembering who you are by the adoption that you are a joint heir with Christ, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead liveth within you, and that if God be for you, who can be against you? Remember who you are. The devil's going to try to tell you that it's humble to put yourself down. It's humble to think that you can't. It, no, it's not. It's a lie from the devil. Actually, it's insulting to God because if his spirit is in you and you're saying that you can't, what you're really saying is God can't. And that actually makes God mad, and I'll prove it to you. Go to Exodus 4, verse 10. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read this to you to remember who you are. It says in Revelations 1, 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us what? Kings and priests unto God his Father, in whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He has made you a king. He has made you a priest. He has given you authority. He has given you dominion. He has given you power. Remember it, believe it, receive it, and act like it. Now, for those that tend to believe, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, and they think that is humility, I'm going to show you not only is it not humility, but it makes God mad because it's doubting his power. Exodus 4 verse 10 says, and we're coming to a close. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, because God had just told him that he was going to have to go and speak to Pharaoh. Moses said, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither here there, heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made men's mouth? And who maketh the dumb and deaf, or who are the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? In other words, have not I been the one that made mouths? It's not doubting yourself. It's doubting God. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send, in other words, God, you, I can't do it. I know I can't, so send somebody else. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not thy brother Aaron a Levite? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. So Aaron was never supposed to go and be the mouthpiece of Moses. Moses didn't have faith in that moment that God could speak through him because he was looking at his own weaknesses and saying, I can't do it. And God got angry. But he humored him and said, okay, here, send Aaron. But if you think about it, had that never happened, we would have never had the whole fiasco with the uh, golden calf because Aaron was not raised up to walk in that role. But he did it on his behalf because it angered the Lord, it says, that Moses thought he couldn't do it because he wasn't doubting himself. He was doubting God. So when we think we're walking in humility and saying, oh, Lord, I can't, I'm so weak, I can't, what you're really doing is saying, God, you can't because is anything too hard for our God? Matthew 19, 26 says, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So sometimes you just need to be reminded that God 
is with you. And this is going to be our last passage. Go to Haggai 1.13. We're going to close with this. Remember that God is with you, and if God is for you, who can be against you? Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Have faith. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Zehokadek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. When you know and you remember that God is with you, it stirs up the spirit, it stirs up the faith within you. And if you don't know, get on your knees, confess, repent, get a word from the Lord, let him fill you up, know that he is with you, let his spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God, get that knowing in your knower and go forth in authority. Remember that nothing is impossible. If you are a child of the king, act like it. God, we give you all the praise and the glory that the victory is already won. We stand in faith and proclaim the majesty of your name, that you are coming to do what only you can do with miracle working power. You are faithful. You are God. You are good and you are able. And we know that there is nothing too hard for you. You are able to save, set free, deliver, overcome the enemy. You are able to bring healing and hope and salvation to the lost. You are able to change the nations and the generations and bring them back to the foot of the cross. We give you praise right now for the victory because you are victory. Oh, victory has a name and it's Jesus. My King is victory. You have already overcome death, hell and the grave and I am gonna give you praise. It's just our job to profess what already is, that you have come and liberated the lost. We just need to go out and demonstrate it. So we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We thank you that you pour out your spirit to empower us in these last days to demonstrate the truth that you are who you say you are and you have done what you said you've done and you are coming back for a bride that has believed. Therefore, do we stand and praise you for the victory. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.